you are listening to the Nirvana Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11. The punk, pop and politics of Chris Novoselic. Hello everybody, welcome to the Nirvana podcast. My name is Sietse. And I'm Jiritja. Today we are going to talk about everything that Krishna Voselic did after Nirvana ceased to be. Yes. Or, well, everything, not, not, not really everything, because he, he did quite a, a lot actually. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of small things. So if we were to mention everything he did, we would have like a separate podcast dedicated to that, I think. <laughs> yeah. And also some of the stuff he did, uh, we've already discussed, like his work with uh, Foo Fighters, with Dave Grohl and Paul McCartney, uh, even with Stinky Puffs, uh, we've talked about that. So uh, yeah, uh, we're probably going to skip over uh, some projects left and right, but uh, we try to cover like the main things that he uh, did. I actually kind of lost track of him, I must say. Yeah, I agree. I had that a bit as well. I think that probably is also partly his own doing. I mean, he chose to to step out of the limelight a lot more, I think, than Dave Grohl, who obviously came back into the limelight because of the Foo Fighters. And I think also, as we will see, a lot of the things that Chris Novoselic is doing is very USA-centric, I'd say, and probably reaches Europe uh, a lot less than the US. So I did have my eye on him when Nirvana was just finished uh, because I remember pretty clearly the first time made like a, a comeback w- with uh, with a new band. Mm-hmm. It was in uh, 1997. I did not pick up on it on uh, MTV Latin. Tras David Roll se divierte, el otro ex Nirvana, Chris Novoselic, ocupado con la organización política Jampak, se aflojará la corbata en agosto y comenzará a grabar un disco con su nuevo grupo, Sweet 75. En el trío que completan el baterista Bill Rifflin y la bajista y cantante venezolana Iba Las Vegas, Novoselic toca la guitarra. Con 30 canciones preparadas, Sweet 75 entrará a los estudios con el productor Paul Fox, quien acredita trabajos para XTC y Victoria Williams. Yeah, and I don't speak um, Spanish, but uh, yeah, I could pretty much uh, understand that message. For those of you who didn't uh, uh, get it, it was an announcement of Chris's uh, new band called A Sweet 75, apparently uh, named after a poem by Theodora Rutke. Yeah. I don't know her, uh, I must say. Um, Not me neither. Oh, Theodore. I think it's Theodore. Theodore. So I think it's a, it's male. Um, I actually, for years, I thought that it was named after like a really horrible movie. <laughs> but I have no idea how that ever entered my mind. I don't know. I was just under the impression for years that they named it after like, oh, this is voted like the crappiest movie of all times in some poll, something like that. But, wow, really? To but I guess always, I was wrong. Yeah, to me, it always sounds like a late 60s, early 70s band. It's that kind of name that you would expect uh, back in time. Well, I I would expect it in the 90s. There were like these pop punk bands who had like Blink uh, 182. Right, yeah. Some, (laughs) some, uh, what's the other one called? Some, Some, yeah, some, some, some something, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot, yeah. I should have prepared this, but uh, (laughs) I I think there was another area of bands with a number in it. Yep. 
Um, and the reason why I played a clip from MTV Latin is because he formed this band with street singer Eva Las Vegas. And she's from uh, Venezuela. I really love the story how they met because uh, Chris had a birthday party. His wife had Eva come in as like a surprise act performance. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he really liked what he heard. And I think first the idea was that he would produce an album for her. Mm -hmm. And then they start hanging out, start uh, working on material. And then they decided uh, to form a band together. I think that's a really... yeah. Cool, cool, fascinating story. <laughs> I'm I'm still hung up about her name, though. I'm pretty sure that's not the real name, right? <laughs> no, that can't be. <laughs> yeah. And um, I actually owned this uh, album. Really? I, wow. Yeah, I tried to dig it up. I, I can't find it anywhere. And I remember listening to it quite a lot as well. I mean, of course, I bought it just because it was Chris's new band. But uh, I really liked it. Uh, and then I totally forgot about the whole band. <laughs> Never listened to them uh, for years and years. And uh, well, because we were going to do this uh, podcast, I tracked them down again. And I must say, it's it's pretty interesting what they're doing. Sometimes it's a bit all over the place, but I really like the Latin influence. I yep. like the fact that they yeah, really try to create a new style. Chris is playing guitar, by the way. That's also... Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Uh, it looks a bit weird if you see footage from the band. <laughs> it looks like, yeah, you're you're so used to this big guy with a with a big low hanging bass guitar that it's, yeah, it's a bit weird to see him just play the guitar. But I still think even after all these years that uh, it's not a bad album that they uh, created. Let's uh, check some of the stuff out that's uh, on there. Yeah. Let's start with the opening track uh, called Fetch. Yeah, maybe it's also like the nostalgia factor for me, but uh, yeah, I still think it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely not bad. It's it feels a bit dated. I mean, it is. It is. So that's, <laughs> um, that's okay. And yeah. it also feels a bit unpolished, but that's fine as well because it's their first album, right? So yeah, yeah. But well, they only made one album, so yeah, yeah, exactly. They only released one single mm -hmm. from that album, the song uh, uh, "Lay Me Down." I don't think it got that much attention or airplay or anything didn't do uh, didn't do a lot but um yeah it's an interesting album this was like a more standard guitar pop song some stuff is a bit more well you could say grungy mm -hmm. but there's also some really different songs on there probably the most notable is uh, a song called ode to dolly to dolly parton uh, obviously and uh, yeah, it sounds uh, quite different than uh, old Nirvana fans are probably used to.
this is not the most uh, serious song they did on the <laughs> album, but uh, it's fun. And yeah. uh, I do think her, her, her voice is really, really good. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Even on a song like this, which is probably not really her style. And like I said, not the most <laughs> serious track uh, on the album. But uh, yeah, it's, it still sounds sounds pretty pretty good. I, I think the way she sings it and yeah. the intensity of her voice. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think that one of the issues, though, of this album is probably also the fact that there are songs like this on there. It's like it's really an eclectic mix. The whole album, and I think it takes a couple of listen-throughs to really get into it and feel that there is, in fact, a link between the different songs and the different styles. And I can imagine that that it must have been really hard for people buying it back then to hear that from the start, and maybe even I don't know. I mean, you 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 know more about this than I do, but I don't know if they did a lot of live shows. I can imagine that. It would be hard with the material on this album to uh, perform like a a really proper live show that feels like it has like a, a good line through in the beginning and end and whatever. Yeah, they did do a tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that much. Um, I've also seen some footage, and I think uh, Eva La Vegas is a uh, like a, she's a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also has like a strong. Uh, stage persona so i think she's a good good front woman but then again probably most people who would show up were old nirvana fans yeah they knew what uh, dave was doing with Foo yep. fighters which exactly. was different but like in the same realm as nirvana was and this is completely different yeah they have songs with a with a horn section on there and and like you said even even with that there's a lot of diversity it's not just like oh it's different than nirvana it's like it's different and oh wait but now this this other song that's <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. a whole yeah he didn't make it easy for the listeners no he didn't they didn't really lure you in or something like that but uh, yeah apparently as a teenager i was uh, devoted enough uh, <laughs> to to listen to it quite a lot and uh, yeah like i said i still uh, enjoy it um there's one more song i'd like to highlight which is uh, like a, a, a traditional song i suppose from uh, uh, venezuela I'm not 100% sure, um, but this is like the, the most Latin you, you can get. And also a, a fun fact, uh, Peter Buck from uh, R.E.M. Uh, plays the mandolin on it. So uh, here we go. And again, this is all on the same album. <laughs> that just <laughs> is that Chris on uh, on the accordion as well. Must be. Yeah. I didn't check it, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's uh, Peter Buck on mandolin, so it's uh, those like Western pop guys teaming yeah. up to do this traditional Latin song. Yeah. I, yeah. It's pretty. Cool. I, I do think it's charming. Yeah. And yeah. it also sounds pretty good, but yeah. I, I can see why uh, it didn't appeal to a very big and broad audience. No, no, definitely not. What I find interesting is that 
This also makes clear that Chris is interested in traditional music and folk music. We've we've seen that before. I mean, the accordion we talked about that his own his own heritage, and we'll see with projects after this that he's also in that folk realm. Uh, realm. Yeah. It would have been nice if dived into that even more. I think. Yeah. Well, we've got some more of that coming uh, up. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty soon after uh, their debut album and like the first tour, the band more or less uh, imploded. They did work on some songs for a second album and actually um, Eva Las Vegas has uh, put some tracks on her SoundCloud under the name Sweet 75 I think she purposefully misspelled Sweet 75 and the only <laughs> caption she gave it was hashtag grunge ha 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 <laughs> so it's nice. a bit weird but it gives like an impression of what they might have come up with if they had stayed together and yeah. uh, and had done another album. And it sounds even more different than what we've already <laughs> heard. So it's, um, here's a, an example of that called uh, What's Bigger Than Love? But like I said, again, something completely different. They should have John Cleese uh, in between tracks say, and now for something completely different. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. This is this last bit is giving me a bit uh, like a Calexico vibes. It has that same dark Latin feeling to it. Yeah, so they could have done that. But like I said, they more or less imploded as a band. Uh, I think uh, things didn't end well. Later, uh, a filmmaker um, made a documentary, The Life and Times of uh, Eva Las Vegas. Um, and Chris refused to be interviewed uh, for that. Okay, Comes across a bit bitter. Mm-hmm. I, th- I guess I think his manager said, well, it wasn't a good time for Chris. And he took a big chance with her, which is obviously right. I mean, she was a street performer who got, yeah. who you could hire for birthday parties. <laughs> and well, of course, Chris, with his name and legacy, uh, could easily land a, a record deal for for his new band. And he really uh, took her on. And well, she seems to be a very explosive person. Mm-hmm. And you said that his wife hired her for the birthday party, right? But that's probably also his ex-wife, right? Uh, by now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I I looked into like his um, musical work. Well, <laughs> let's share this with the listeners. Uh, we kind of uh, split up the workload here because you delve more into uh, his political uh, career and I uh, more into his uh, musical career. But we didn't appoint somebody to keep tabs on his personal life. And personally, I don't think it's that relevant no it is interesting it's just for now i sort of realized because i I think he split up with his first wife around like 99 or 2000 or something like that so because you mentioned that this band was sort of 
instigated by his wife. <laughs> it's interesting that the band imploded and his marriage ended. You yeah, never know yeah. what that might have to do with each other or not. Yeah, not a lot, I guess. I think it more has more to do with uh, him not getting along with uh, Eva and... Uh, yeah. yeah, but um, anyway, that's the end of uh, Sweet Seventy Five. You already said it's interesting how uh, Chris is interested in like more traditional music. Yeah. Well, we've already heard uh, "I Want to Be a Country Singer" in uh, <laughs> "O to Dolly." Here's something that I didn't know about, but in 1996 he recorded a song together with uh, Kim uh, Thale, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, of Soundgarden, and the drummer of Alice in Chains, together with Johnny Cash. Mm. Never knew that they did it. No. They uh, recorded a song for a tribute album for uh, Willie Nelson. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did a Time of the Preacher. So here we go. Time of the Preacher In the year of 01 Now the preaching is over And the lesson's begun They sort of invented country grunge here. I love it. I, I yeah, never really heard cool. this. This is amazing. There there should be a David Lynch movie with this song in it. There should hmm. be. It's like perfect match of, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I was very pleasantly surprised as well. There's an interesting lineup of the tribute album. Um, also, uh, Mark Lanigan is on there. L7, the president of the United States of America. So Wow. I need to listen to the whole album. Cool. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I, I also think, well, this is not a, a Johnny Cash podcast, obviously, but uh, yeah, there, there there should be one, I, yep, I, I, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm probably not in the right position to do one, but uh, I do have an, a soft spot for him. Yeah, me too. Just hearing that voice again is like, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's cool. And uh, it's cool to have the, like the loud guitars in there. Yeah, perfect. Nice, nice combination. So that's another thing that, that Chris did and... Uh, after Sweet 75 ended, I think he had like a, a period of doing projects. He wasn't in a steady band anymore. So, yeah, uh, I think he was a popular guy to be asked for, uh, come and do a recording with us, maybe uh, join us on stage, maybe uh, come to the studio and, and record a song or uh, or things like that. One of those uh, projects was the, the No WTO Combo. Uh, like an all-star punk band they did like a, a one-off show and mm -hmm. uh, it was recorded and then um chris uh, asked our uh, good old friend jack and dino to mix the recordings and it was actually released i'm guessing that it's like a collector's item so yeah if you <laughs> see it in like a second-hand shop you see the the no wto combo maybe maybe pick it up for yourself or <laughs> Make somebody else happy with it or uh, try to uh, earn some money. Let's have a listen to that. First, the band introduction, and then uh, we go into the next song. Okay. In case I forget later, time to introduce the band. On guitar, Kim Thile. Thile. It's Thile. 
First time on stage in Seattle since the end of Soundgarden. Let's give him a hand. On the bass, from Jam Pack and Sweet 75 and a big old band whose name I can't remember at the moment, Chris Novoselic. And also from Sweet 75, on the drums, Gina the Magnificent. not really an album it's more like a live ep some spoken word stuff on there as well right interesting yeah and uh, and pretty um political <laughs> so uh i think we're getting uh, into your uh, field of expertise now <laughs> <laughs> yes the, the part i know about uh yeah for sure and um, because apart from music Chris has been doing a lot of political work after Nirvana, and uh, this is an example of it because the um, no WTO combo, um, the WTO stands for the World Trade Organization. Yes. The fact that they did this show was um, because there was a big um, World Trade Organization meeting in Seattle. There were a lot of protests and riots. I won't get into all the political details, but basically uh, World Trade Organization would not be beneficial to the USA at that moment was the idea of a lot of protesters back then. And especially because it was in Seattle or a lot of people there who opposed this and, and basically uh, had a had a, a big old demonstration via thing and uh, things like this going on. Um, and Chris was one of the persons who was uh, involved in that. He wrote a book on politics a couple of years later called of grunge and politics <laughs> wait it's 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 on uh, grunge and government grunge and yeah right? grunge and government sorry i didn't mean to correct you i just wanted to ask is it about grunge as well or is it mostly about government and it's, politics it's mostly about government let me try to sort of explain what happened to Chris, why he went into politics, and and then you understand what it has to do with grunge. Basically, what he describes in the book is how he grew up with punk rock and always had that feeling of punk is, it's loud, it's aggressive, it's, it's about saying no to stuff. And although he liked that, it didn't really always fit his personality. And then when um, he got more and more into politics uh, due to Nirvana and, and being asked for benefits and stuff like that, he started to get more awareness about politics and trying to get into that, but sort of found his own way to do that, not in the punk way, <laughs> hmm. but uh, in a totally different way. And that's what's kind of interesting in the book because he starts out about music and the music industry and then actually sort of starts <laughs> weirdly enough opposing everything that music often does in protesting by being loud and being big he is more of a grassroots kind of person so the entire book is basically it's a nice 
how to do politics in the USA if if you don't have a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing he is, explains is he went to uh, like a a meeting, a rally against censorship law in '92 when they were still in Nirvana, basically because he was asked to just be supportive, and he wasn't planning on speaking. I, I think he uh, mentioned that in an interview, yep. calling it a fascist law. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wasn't very subtle about that. Exactly. Uh, but that was the whole point. Like he was, what he describes in the book is that he was asked by journalists, like, okay, you are a famous person. What do you think about it? He explains that he realized that he should use his, his being famous um, to do something about politics and to make other people aware. Basically, from there on, he has dedicated uh, a lot of his time to doing just so and doing that in that grassroots movement. So basically what he describes is democracy is all about people being able to speak their minds. And I loved one of the anecdotes. He has this story about how Lollapalooza was apparently planning to come into town um, in like a small town close to Aberdeen. And um, there was this town hall meeting about whether they could do it or not. And eventually the town said no. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, but there were so many people and young people there who, who spoke their minds. And that's what politics is about. So yeah. he's all about that. He's done a lot for music-related things. Um, something that was also mentioned in the intro that you just um, yeah, the jam pack. Uh, sounded. Yeah, the jam pack. Again, without getting too much into detail on American politics, but basically you have these organizations, PACs, that get uh, funding for political people and just basically give them money to do uh, what they want to do. Um, you hear it often with presidential candidates and stuff like that. He is one of the founders of the Jam Pack, which is basically a organization that gets money in uh, to give to politicians who do good work based on music. So that's what they raise money for. He is very much about spreading music like for everybody, making sure that music gets the community together, that there is enough room um, to enjoy music for young people, um, no censorship, that kind of stuff. So he's been really into that. He's been writing articles about politics for the Seattle newspaper. Um, he is a board member for an organization that is uh, thinking about how to reform politics. And reform voting as well, right? Yeah, reform voting. So that's that's something that he describes in his book as well. Like I said, I think it's it's really sweet and sometimes a bit naive what he describes. But um, if you want to know about American politics and the weird things that especially the voting system works, um, his book is is really interesting to read because then you get how it works and you also get how weird it is. And for us in Europe, like he has a lot of explanations on how they could reform that vote. And for us European people, it's sort of like, yeah, that's sort of what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> so you read it and you're like, yeah, 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 you're right. Of course, that's that's how it should be. And then, But yeah, <laughs> he has dedicated a lot of his, his time to things like this. Um, I think he is making an impact and I think it's great to see him use his his famous name for stuff like that at the same time it, it's grassroots it's about just making people speak up 
for themselves, I guess, and sort of getting slowly the numbers into change stuff. Um, and and so, so you think, don't see him run for uh, governor uh, anytime <laughs> soon. No, no, that's that's definitely not what he's about. But that, yeah, I I think it's it's really interesting that he discusses like punk rock was like this, and I'm doing it the other way. But this is what I what I think in the long run will work out. I think it's really commendable that he's doing a lot like that and dedicating his time to that. I mean, it's been a long time since he's been in the limelight. So I think that whole idea of what he describes in the beginning, like people asking him what he thinks because he's famous, that's obviously getting less and less so. But at the same time, yeah. he's now so well-versed in politics uh, that I think that that he is definitely making a difference and, and being appreciated by a lot of people and organizations. So that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, cool. So uh, thanks for uh, explaining that to me <laughs> because, well, as probably uh, as you've probably guessed, uh, I didn't read a book. So maybe one day I will, but uh, I just never got a hold of it and never really tried. <laughs> no, maybe if I'd like run into it in a shop, I'd probably pick it up for a few bucks and yeah, flick through like, it. Like, but. like I said, it's it's not um the grunge part is really small so if you're interested in him or his nirvana memories it's no use in reading it it's interesting if you want to know about the american voting system basically yeah they probably had to put the word grunge on the cover and there's a picture of him holding yep. a, guita- uh, b- exactly. a bass guitar bass right guitar. just to sell uh, <laughs> some, yeah. some extra copies I guess. I it's mean, a really ugly picture as well, but... Uh, also, it sounds ra- uh, nice. Grunge and government get the alliteration in. I exactly. Mean, uh, and I said it wrong, so I mean, it's not <laughs> even that, that. So I that just Didn't proves I actually read it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't drawn in by the alliteration. I just, I read the content. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. And uh, now we all know a little bit about it. Exactly. So... Um, I say uh, on with the music. Yes. In 2003, Chris uh, started uh, a new band called Eyes Adrift. And this time he teamed up with the drummer from Sublime, but Gaw. I'm, I'm pronouncing the names horribly today. <laughs> I get the feeling. Just wait that. till you have like an introduction segment and then you know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have that on all of the bands. (laughs) And uh, uh, Kurt uh, Kirkwood, uh, who we all, of course, know from uh, Meat Puppets, a band every Nirvana fan uh, knows, of course. Well, at least uh, three songs uh, (laughs) of the Meat Puppets. Exactly. And he he dragged Kurt away from his brother. That's like, wow. (laughs) No, I I think... Kurt was away from his brother already when this happened. Okay. Like Kurt, I think Kurt Kirkwood was doing solo stuff at that right. time, and yeah, uh, I don't really know how they got together, but uh, they did, uh, calling themselves Eyes Adrift, uh, except uh, in Australia because there already was a band called Eyes Adrift. So wow. if in Australia <laughs> they were called, but Kurt and Chris. Wow, great name. Yeah, great, <laughs> great name. <laughs> and they released an album in 2003. And um, yeah, let's first uh, check out uh, the single Alaska. It's artificial water Splashing all around And though you might be sinking You can never drown to be 
Yeah, this is a nice power pop song. Yeah. So um, it's um, a good choice for a first single. But I must say the rest of the album, it's not so good, in my opinion. I had a few listens and yeah, did, didn't really like it. It sounded a bit uninspired. Remember when we talked about Meat Puppets and how we like their songs, but not really the way they sing them? Yeah, exactly. And of course, when uh, Kurt sang them in Nirvana, it sounded amazing. Kurt Kirkwood who you just heard on uh, Alaska, is an, is an okay singer. Yeah. Nothing yeah. too special. I don't think it's even about the, the quality of his voice, but like you said, the sort of laid-backness, because I have that same issue with that single, Alaska, which is an okay single. But if you listen to that song and you think about, like, what if Foo Fighters would have done that song? The power that it would have had then it would have been so much better. They didn't even have to like change the song, but just have Dave sing it and have Foo Fighters play it. It would have made a bigger impact. I mean, this is obviously um, (laughs) uh, not a really fair comparison, but it's, I think, one of the reasons why, and I think we talked about that in Foo Fighters episode as well, why Foo Fighters work so well, especially with their singles, is because they have that explosive power in there. And that's exactly what's already sort of missing on this single. And then after that, it just goes downwards from there. It sort of feels too laid back, too boring, too uninspired, like, yeah. I agree on the last part. I'm not sure if Foo Fighters is like the best comparison. Uh, If I listen to uh, Alaska... I'm more thinking of like um, Breakfast at Tiffany's by the by uh, Deep Blue Something <laughs> or yeah. um, I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts, the, the theme song from Friends. More in that in that realm. Uh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not sure if that's what they were going for, but I, I think that's more or less how it sounds. Yeah. At least that song. Yeah, you might be right. I'm trying to find the power in there and that's why I compared it to Foo Fighters. I think... What really doesn't do the album any good is that they decided to have uh, Chris do the lead vocals on uh, on three songs. And I mean, yeah, he, he's just not a good singer. I hope I'm not offending anybody. But uh, I mean, when he was singing with Nirvana, it was always like a joke. I mean, the, the introduction to Territorial Pissings or uh, that Kiss cover. Oh, yeah. That Kiss yeah, yeah. cover, which they totally didn't take seriously. Uh, with Eyes Adrift, they, they do. And uh, yeah, well, here's a little uh, taste of that. Old St. Paul, he told them all Like it was him they hung out to dry From stolen dreams are made the means To lead the souls who must abide Then you'll never have to work again You glide along the backs of men Who edit the witness list of souls That want to feel but need to be told And this song is over 15 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. It's not 15 minutes of Chris singing. It's uh, There's a really long extended uh, 
jam thing going on uh, at the yeah. end uh, it's the closing track of the album so uh, so maybe that's a bit mean <laughs> to, to say but i mean is it just me or is it just really obvious that he's not a good singer I, he's not a good singer i mean this is what we all sound like in our first rehearsal right sort of like this is sort of the song and i'm not sure about the notes yet but i'm just stumbling through it that's how it sounds which is which is fine for the beginning i mean we all sound crap when we start rehearsing um <laughs> but, but this is like the album version you can have big discussions on whether people are a good singer i mean you can sure. you can especially in pop music uh, there are a lot of singers who you would say like okay they're not good singers but they're interesting singers at least and i think that that's mainly the problem here because he sort of hits the right notes so that's fine um or he's struggling too yeah he is struggling like i said it sounds like one of the first rehearsals and it just doesn't sound inspiring or interesting it doesn't sound like somebody who wants to be a singer i think that might be the best way i can put it like there's nothing in his voice that suggests to me that this is like his passion or this is something that he needs to do on this album there's there's nothing in there in the sound that makes it interesting for me to listen to but still he did it uh, he did lead vocals on three of the 12 tracks yeah. on the album so he must have enjoyed it so he must like have enjoyed it like I mean, to yeah. explore it i mean yeah sure fine but uh, yeah. i also think well then don't be too surprised if it's not going to be a, a, a great success but if you're living in Japan and you pick up the album, uh, you get uh, two bonus songs. Mm -hmm. And yes, one of those is also sung by Christ. <laughs> so uh, we're going to check out that uh, too. It's called The Cup and the Lip. There's a lot of slips between the tongue and the lips every time. What said is spun by the mouthwash wrong liars climb. you say it or if you play it, the soapbox myth is no lie. Elaborate plans for impatient fans whose money we want to grab. Okay, if, if we have listeners from Japan, please let me know why you think that Japan would like this <laughs> and would get this as a bonus where the rest of the world didn't like what's the deal with japan that somebody at the record company thought like this is what we're going to give them as an extra i really i need to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, I do think that it's interesting to see that again chris is more or less gravitating to country yeah definitely I mean, just like with Chris's book, I just wanted to have like the alliteration in the title of this podcast. So it's just punk, pop and politics. But actually, country should be in there. I yeah. mean, he did the thing with Johnny Cash. He did an Ode to Dolly. Uh, and now again, this track. So Yeah, and also it's really traditional country as well. Because, I mean, country music is, is like a really broad kind of music. Everything that we hear where he veers towards country music... Or traditional music it's it's really the old-fashioned traditional versions of it yeah which is interesting as well yeah 
And yeah, there th- th- must be something there because another um, track on the album, Daddy Don and Julie Jewel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Chris is also singing. It's also a co- country style uh, song. So uh, yeah. Unfortunately for them, um, Eyes Adrift wasn't a big success. I get the impression that Chris was pretty disappointed by that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did do a tour. I think they toured with uh, Dinosaur Jr. All oh, right. Also due to the fact that uh, they didn't um, sell a lot of records. And um, I think the the band fell apart. Uh, the other two guys did start a new band together, but without Chris. So that's never, never a good sign. So, um, yeah, I think it was like a really big disappointment for Chris yeah. that he thought, well, okay, after Tweet 75 didn't end well, now I found those guys, these guys, and yeah, create something new and, and be successful with that. And I, I think he wanted to, to stay together for a longer period of time. If you're like the bass player in a band and you're not like the singer, you're not the main songwriter because that he, he wasn't that. We know that Dave was already songwriting. Um, that wasn't really Chris's thing as well. He did a bit of it, but not big. Mostly just um, writing his own parts. Yeah, exactly. So I think that if you're in that position and you want to start a new band, it is actually quite hard because you are not the front man and you, you probably won't be. And I can also imagine that him trying to sing some songs on the album is maybe also his way of trying to find that more frontman kind of thing to be able to, to to develop from there and sort of start off your own stuff because because otherwise you're going to be in the background, which is fine if you're like a background musician and you have to start something new. It's always going to be harder than when you're like, oh, I, I'm a singer and I have a guitar and come play with me. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Um, even though I don't really like what they did, like like I said, I, I just don't think it's a good album. Yeah, I do feel bad for him that it didn't work out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if they would have stayed together, perhaps the next thing they did would be better and yeah. it would develop a bit. But uh, it never got the chance, so uh, that's a bit sad. But of course, um, Chris wasn't done with music yet, and then a couple of years later, he made like a. An interesting move, I think. This time he really went back to his punk rock roots uh, because he joined Flipper. Nirvana fans must know Flipper or at least like the word and the logo for Flipper because uh, Kurt wore a uh, homemade Flipper t-shirt when he uh, formed on a Saturday Night Live just to to support him. I think Flipper was was an important band for Chris growing up, right? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Does he write anything about that in the book? or uh? He mentions a couple of bands in the first chapter. I think he mentions them, but not not in detail or whatever. It's just there is a couple of bands there that he, he was interested in, and uh, but no, uh, no details, unfortunately. Okay. By the way, the first two bassists of uh, Flipper died because of uh, heroin use. So uh, there's a grim history there. But uh, yeah. in 2006, Chris filled in the spot. Um, here's a recording uh, of them playing together in uh, 2008. Eric is the people I get my stuff from.
Yeah, so that's a flipper right there for you. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's cool that they must have been pretty old by then, <laughs> I guess. I think so. I mean, they were they were active. I think like mid seventies and seventies, something like that, when they started. They were really punk rock, and they influenced the bands after that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it must be, yeah. Um, and since uh, this is still the uh, Nirvana podcast, uh, and we haven't heard a single Nirvana song yet, no. I think we should also have a listen to a Flipper covering uh, Sandless Apprentice. That was from the album Smells Like Bleach, a punk tribute to Nirvana, which was released in 2001. So there was already a mutual appreciation yep. going on, even before Chris uh, joined the band. But again, it didn't last very long. He only stayed around for like two years, I think. Mm -hmm. And I must say, I didn't really figure out why he left again. He left on his own accord, right? I mean, I, I think that he, he left the band. Like, yeah, I think so um, too. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't kicked out or anything. No, no, exactly. But yeah, no idea why. I can imagine that stepping in in a band like that, that after a while it sort of, <laughs> it can get boring. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, from all the things that, w that he's done and that we've discussed, I get a really strong impression that he just kept on looking for like the right fit, yep. but never really seemed to find it. I mean, he d he did a lot of different things. I mean, this was like going going back to where it all started for him. Yeah, true. I think there was a lot of touring involved, right, with Flipper. I think so too. I can imagine that that was something that might have been less interesting for him. He might have got tired of that. I mean, we have those horrible stories about the <laughs> Nirvana touring. I can imagine that that might have been uh, a problem. Or he might not have wanted to be away from home for such a long time. I think by that time, he's living in some kind of like remote farm with his second wife. And I think they have children, stuff like that. So if Flipper was a lot about touring and maybe even, I don't know, outside of the USA, that might have been something that he grew less interested in. Possibly. and Yeah. yeah. And maybe also creatively and musically. I mean, I don't think that Flipper would be the right band to say hey guys what if we did a country track next <laughs> no <laughs> probably, probably not but, uh, yeah so um he left flipper again i uh, went back to just doing political stuff and also uh showing up left and right uh, i think this is around the time when he uh teamed up with dave again to do some thing uh, to do some things for foo fighters yep um he also appeared on the peter buck's album the guy from rem who Helped him out playing the mandolin on that uh, Sweet 75 <laughs> song. He played bass for him on one song. 
called A Long Time Dead. And the next year he did something with Melvin. So, you know, going back to it to his roots again. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to check out those two songs. So here's uh, Peter Buck. And here's the Melvins. country melvins as well <laughs> yeah well especially with uh, it's more like an irish drinking song yeah. kind of vibe going on <laughs> especially with chris uh, playing the accordion uh, yeah yeah it's called uh, maybe i'm amused also um he briefly joined a band called uh, filthy friends with uh, peter buck but again he left pretty pretty soon after that so yeah again it just feels like he doesn't really fit in anywhere no. anymore something like that Maybe I'm getting this all wrong. Maybe he's totally happy with everything he did. But uh, yeah, it's just the the impression that I get from it. Yeah. So we're almost uh, getting um, to the end. Before we're going to get uh, into his um, current band, Giants in the Trees, I want to check out uh, a pretty uh, obscure project with you called um, Butterfly Launches from Spar Pole, which is something he did with writer Robert Michael Pyle. I don't know. Have you ever heard of him? No, no, no idea. No, no me neither. But um, that that could be just us, uh, of course. Chris must be a fan of him because they met at a book signing and they got to talk and then they, they had an idea to do something with a spoken word pile and then some uh, music in the background. And then Chris brought in a fellow musician of uh, Giants in the Trees. Yeah, they created like an album together with folk music combined with spoken word uh, with a lot of themes from nature. And I think, the, yeah, it's about... Uh, the Yeti, Bigfoot, and also the, yeah, <laughs> Darwin shows up. Um, a, a lot of stuff. Um, I must say I wasn't really uh, into it. But there's one thing that uh, really uh, really stood out, especially for uh, Nirvana fans, uh, because there's a quote from a Nirvana lyric in there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a listen to that. Adrift toward anchor, Steinbeck and Ricketts had time to gap. They asked themselves, why do humans find it so hard to admit that we are just another species? Will our self-regard suffer too much if we tell ourselves the truth? But they knew better that we are all part of the whole show. And as they put it, all things are one thing. And one thing is all things. 
or as we might say, that all in all is all we are. The Indians, the gardens of the sea, the beer, and the work were all one thing they wrote, and we were that one thing too. So uh, all in all is all we are. Did you see that one coming or were you uh, expecting a different quote? <laughs> I saw it coming just a second before. So <laughs> that that counts. like. <laughs> but I wouldn't have put my money on it. <laughs> Bile said in, in an interview about this, um, during one of our practice sessions, I slipped in that quotation and I saw Chris's eyebrows go up. I asked him later, uh, can I get away with that? And he said, yeah, I think so. So when uh, listeners hear that line, I hope they will think of Chris's friend. Oh, so that's, that's nice. sweet. In that same interview, he um, was asked about if he liked Nirvana's music. And he said that he really liked uh, the Unplugged stuff. But well, he, he's, he's quite a bit older. He's like 70 or something like that. Uh, and that he liked a lot of covers uh, that other people did uh, of Nirvana's music. And he pointed to uh, Sinead O'Connor yeah. singing uh, All Apologies. And I think maybe that's why he uh, he picked up on that on that line and uh, decided yep. to work it into his own work. Uh, so I thought it would be nice um, to have a listen to that as well. It's from uh, 1994, actually. Choking on the ashes of her enemy In the sun, in the sun of Bela's one In the sun, in the sun I'm married, buried, buried Do you like this version? Yeah, I think it's really beautiful. It's, uh, I have a I have a weak spot for uh, Sinead O'Connor and her uh, her work. I I like how she uh, brings this back to basics and and basically just sings the emotion. It's yeah, cool. yeah. I, th- I thought it was pretty nice uh, as well. Anyway, uh, like I said, uh, Chris is still um, in a band called yep. uh, Giant in the Trees. They quite recently uh, released their second album. I, th- I think they're uh, consisting mainly of like local uh, musicians. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're doing a lot of touring or or anything. Um, I've listened to both of their albums, uh, yeah, a couple of times. It doesn't really stick with me. How do you feel about uh, Giants in the Trees? I listened to both albums as well. I liked it, but there is not enough to make me want to play it again often i think that's sort of the like you listen to it and you think yeah this is nice and then the next time you want to like play some music it's not the first thing you think of it's 
folky. It's a bit Americana. There's a lot in that genre that sticks out more than yeah. than this does, unfortunately. Yeah, it, so. it's not bad in any way. No. I mean, it just seems to miss like that woe factor somehow. Yep. To me, at least. So, of, of course, I was um, keeping an eye on uh, what song to select for, for the podcast. And I thought, yeah, I could do this one or or another one. That's that's also a good example. So that yep. that maybe illustrates a bit uh, how I feel about it. I must say, if they would come to the Netherlands and do a show, I would be tempted to go just so I could later say, yeah, I saw Christopher Selleck play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Dave play with Foo Fighters, so I can say, yeah, I've seen two thirds of Nirvana play live. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just want to say that I I don't hate them or anything. I'm just not a big fan. That's all. It's nice that they have already released their second album because you've just been mentioning like that Chris did a lot of things that sort of ended after one album. So the fact that they're making music and they've done two albums and they're both pretty nice, I think that's that's great already. And I, I really do hope that they will continue doing that because yeah, that's, it, it's interesting enough for that to to do that and continue and and make new music so yeah yeah and also i mean i really wish for chris to have like a to find like his place and and keep on making music i mean he's he's giving us a lot of interesting stuff and uh yeah yeah even if i don't listen to it very much i still hope he keeps on going yeah that's sort of like i'm still (laughs) rooting for chris somehow i just think it's a nice thought to know that he's still out there still making music Having fun with it, connecting with people, yeah. Exactly that, because that's something like he started doing music when he was really young. He loved listening to music. He loved playing music. Um, and that's basically that, apart from record sales or whatever, just being able to enjoy making music is really important. And, and that's sort of what you wish upon everybody. So to him yeah. as well, especially to him, I think. Yeah. So in the end, uh, I landed on uh, their first uh, single, which is by far their most streamed song on uh, Spotify, as you pointed out uh, (laughs) to me. It's called uh, Sasquatch. I'd, I'd like to bring things uh, full circle uh, because uh, last year Giants in the Trees did a very special show. Actually, when I came across this on YouTube, I already posted it on our Facebook page, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't plan on doing a second season or on uh, Chris's uh, work after Nirvana for, for a long time then, but uh, I already thought it was cool uh, <laughs> to share, especially if you see the uh, the images that uh, go along with it, because they performed in um, that uh, mu- museum in Seattle. Yeah. Um, what's it called again? It's like the... The, the Museum of 
pop culture, museum of modern culture. Modern ah, I should know this. I, yeah, been you've, you've been there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but why I was guessing it, that, that, yeah. that you would know. <laughs> Something popular culture, whatever. Just just go to Seattle and, and you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ask for the museum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's just ne next to the Space Needle, so you can't miss it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> And, and there's a lot of stuff uh, on display there um, uh, from several um, Seattle rock bands, right? Yep, yep. Uh, Plus a lot Jimmy of Nirvana Hendrix. stuff, but also from, from other uh, other bands. And Hendrix, of course, yep. yeah. And uh, Chris uh, and his band um, performed there last year. Uh, he teamed up again with Kim Thale. I hope I said it finally, <laughs> got, got it right. Um, anyway, from uh, the, the guitarist from Soundgarden as we said before, um, and they performed the song Drone by Alice in Chains. So it's two surviving members of, of big Seattle bands who both lost their singer in a tragic way, covering a song by the third big Seattle band yep. who also lost their singer in a, in a yep. tragic way. So it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit sad, uh, but uh, I thought it was really cool that they did it. Yep. Like to do like a tribute and uh, like I said, if you see the images, uh, they, they, it's like uh, an impression of the mu museum. Yeah. So while they play the song, you see uh, all kinds of stuff that's on the on display there. So uh, yeah, I can highly recommend it. You can find it on on YouTube or <laughs> if you scroll down on our Facebook page, you will sooner or later uh, come across <laughs> it as well. But uh, we'll, we'll repost it. Yeah, let's repost yeah. it. And also, if you're on our Facebook page and you'd like to um, drop us a line, you can do that right there. Yep. Just um, send us a note and uh, and we'll check it out. We always uh, appreciate it. Uh, another way to reach us would be to uh, send us an email. And you can send that to uh, surewoodpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, uh, let's uh, have a listen to uh, Chris Novoselic's Giants in the Trees, as they are called uh, in the caption of the YouTube video, uh, performing uh, Alice in Chains' uh, drone. So I think uh, that's it uh, for this time, unless you have something written down in your notes or maybe something popping up in your mind that you'd like to share. No, I think uh, we shared uh, a lot of things uh, already and uh, this is a really nice way to end this podcast on this music, I think. Pretty okay, cool. well, uh, let's do that. Then uh, we're going to wrap things up by saying thank you a lot for uh, joining me again on the podcast you're very welcome and of course uh, we'd like to thank Joop Hulligie for playing our theme music yes. and all of you out there listening thanks a lot and till next time bye bye <laughs>